0: to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Well, amen. You guys ready? I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 21. We're reading a little bit, verses 1 through 11. We're celebrating Palm Sunday this morning. That's why we have palm trees up here and right along the benches. If you're there, say amen. Give me a nice, loud amen this morning. Amen. All right. Matthew 21, that's one through 11. It says this, when Jesus, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, I'm sorry. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to, to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the, uh, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse six says the disciples went and did as Jesus had direct them. of Galilee. Amen. Today we're remembering the triumphal entry of, uh, Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. It was a day where, uh, probably a couple million, uh, Jewish people, uh, gathered in the city of Jerusalem to receive Jesus as their powerful warrior, king who would save them from political oppression from the Romans. That's what they were expecting of Jesus. And the entire week, if you read through the scriptures, if you read through the gospels, this, this whole event, it was like an emotional roller coaster, just ups and downs, high and low. It started out as, as, as full of excitement. Everyone was super high on, on excitement. And, and you kind of know like when, when someone has a good idea, right? You know, someone says, hey, we should do this. And someone else says, we so should do that it's a great idea. And the other guy's like, Hey, I'm down. And the girl in the corner, she starts a, a group text, a, a text message, right? With, with her girlfriend. She's like, Hey ladies, I'm here with some friends. And, and this is what we're thinking. Everybody's on board, right? Because you have a good idea. Everyone gets excited to do it. And then as, as some more details emerge, what, what usually happens? People kind of start to fall off the, the train, right? People start asking a little more questions. Well, you know, who, who's going to be there? You know, uh, OK, how much does it cost? Uh, what, what, what time? What time is it at? When you're asking what time is it at, probably, you probably have no intention of going. OK, what, what time? Cool. What time is it going to be? You have, no, you have no intention of going. And as as you know, what started out as something full of excitement, everyone was ready to do it. it begins to kind of die down a little bit each day as new inf- information Emerges. That's that's the kind of of emotional roller coaster that that was happening throughout Jesus' final week here on Earth. So I thought that an appropriate title for today's message would be from praise to grumble. And I, man, I'm ready to preach from praise to grumble. Sometimes God just gives me the title of my message, and I have to kind of like figure it out from there. He's like from praise to grumble, from from praise to grumble, from, from praise to grumble, from from praise to grumble. And it just, it all, it all happens right there. And so I'm excited about this, uh, this word this morning, I'm going to need you to pay attention. Can I have your commitment on that this morning? Amen. Amen. You know, have you ever, uh, church, have you ever been gotten by the, the shiny object syndrome? Anyone you know, where you buy something because it looks cool. You just buy it based off of what you see, right? Maybe you haven't really done that recently because we're living in the information age and you know, or you can't, you don't even buy a pair of socks without, you know, looking the, looking at the reviews, uh, first, but back in the day, man, and I'm kind of starting to, you know, show my age a little bit. Uh, but back in the day, people didn't have access to, to YouTube on a mobile device. It was YouTube, but it was still kind of getting there and, and, and you couldn't just pop out the phone in your pocket to see, okay, is this any good? So back in the day. Your only reference to something that you were going to buy was based off what was on the box or the person that was selling it to you. Right. Either way, you're not getting biased, unbiased information. Right. You, you're not really sure. Should I trust the box? Should I trust the person that's that's selling it to me? Uh, I remember once we were at the mall uh, with Melissa. This is when we first started dating. And, um, you know, this was before the, the, the iPhone age. Um, so I, I think I had a BlackBerry. Anyone had a BlackBerry? It was like the coolest phone on the market, the BlackBerry. Melissa had the T-Mobile sidekick. She thought she was super cool. (laughs) Like the, the camera was like, man, we were like, this is amazing. It was like 0.3 megapixels, you know, it was terrible. And, uh, it it said it had internet, but you, you try to get, get to the internet. It's like, it says edge and like edge just translates to like no internet at all. You're going to be waiting forever. So we were at the, we were at the mall and, and, um, we stopped by this little uh, kiosk. Anyone buy anything from a kiosk before? Don't do it. You probably did it once, and you probably never do it again, right? So, you know, this guy he was talking a, a really good game, and and uh, I think he was selling like it was a flat iron or something. Do you remember? She doesn't have a great memory. <laughs> and I, it was I think I thought it was a flat iron. We're going to say a flat iron just for the purpose of the of the message. I think it was a flat iron, and he was just really you know talking a really great game. And he was like, you know, this flat iron is, you know, it flattens your hair. I don't know what he said, but it was, it was like, I remember it being more expensive than all the other flat irons on the market. So Melissa, she, she buys it, right? Because obviously it's more expensive and it, you know, it's gotta be a good deal. And she buys it and, 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 and she starts using it and she finds out that it, it's a piece of junk. It's nothing uh, like, like what she expected it to be. It didn't work the way that she expected it to work. And, of course, she's ex- upset because she spent all this money on this piece of junk. I remember actually going back to the mall a little later, seeing the same guy there. And Melissa basically tells him in front of other customers, like, hey, your, your product is junk. Like, she's, she's a savage. <laughs> and I don't, I don't like confrontation. I'm like, baby, let's, let's go to the food court. I'm, I'm hungry. But I don't know if you've ever fallen prey to, to the shiny object Syndrome. You guys already know the story of the time when I, you know, bought a, a pair of speakers off the streets from these two dudes. You know, they showed me the box. The MSRP on the box said $2,300. It said it had great reviews on there and I, I bought it for $200. I thought these guys were suckers, man. I, I, I was getting them and I was a genius and I, got, I get home and, and they don't even work. It was a scam. That's the shiny object syndrome. And... That was kind of what was happening during this time when Jesus was entering the city of Jerusalem. People received them. They received Jesus and they were singing praises and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, the son of David. Now, unlike the products that we purchased, Jesus wasn't less than what he appeared to be. Amen. He was just different. He was just different from what they thought that he would be. He wasn't what they expected. And when something isn't to your liking, when something doesn't meet your expectation, what does it do? It disappoints you. That relationship that you got in, that marriage that you got in super fast. And you're like, this is going to be great. What can go wrong? And it it wasn't what you expected it. To be. Maybe you signed up for something, you're all excited, and you're like, Man, let's do this. And, and and a few weeks into it, you're like, you know, I don't I don't like this, I can't do it. It wasn't what you expected. Maybe you tried a great restaurant because the review said it was great. Like that one time when we went to Costa Rica based on the r- reviews, and it was a terrible experience. It wasn't what we expected. When something isn't meeting your expectations, it disappoints you. It just does. And so Jesus wasn't what these people Expected him to be. He was he was different. See, at this point, Jesus had gained a mass following because uh because of what the people saw Jesus do. Like, imagine if Jesus had Instagram, right? And he was posting all of his miracles that he was doing every day, and you have like Peter, he's there, like, man, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus walking on water. He's walking on water, right? And, and everyone's going to start following Jesus. That's because because of what he can do. And so they're, they're they're following Jesus and they're praising Jesus because of what he's done before. This is the one who who can who can uh, flee demons, legions of demons. This is the one that fed multitudes with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. This is the one who's such an eloquent speaker. And when he opens his mouth, everyone is just attentive and they want to hear what he's got to say. This is the man, man, perhaps the biggest miracle that they had ever witnessed was the resurrection of Lazarus. After after three days, after smelling, he gets raised from the dead. See, and because they saw that, and because that's what what made them follow Jesus, that's what they expected every time. They expected a certain type of Jesus. How many of you are expecting a certain type of, of God in your life? You're expecting God, the provider. You're expecting God, the way maker, the God, the miracle worker. And that's your only expectation of who God is. So Jesus comes in and he's riding on a donkey. And that, that action of him riding on a donkey, that's, that's him declaring his kingship. He's, he's fulfilling the, the prophecy by the prophet Zechariah who said that he was going to be coming in on the donkey. Jesus is like, yeah, I'm coming in on the donkey because I am the king. And everyone is looking at Jesus thinking, man, he's the perfect one for the job. And remember, they're not looking at Jesus as their savior of of souls. They're looking at Jesus as their savior from from Rome, from political oppression. And they look at him and they're like, man, he's the perfect he's the perfect one from the job. He's got the perfect track record. He's got the resume. He grew up in the presence of, of, of Jewish leaders. So he's educated. This guy, is, he's the real deal. And while these people were rightly recognizing that Jesus was a king, they were misapplying Jesus. They were misapplying. How many times have we misapplied Jesus before? Where, he, where God blesses you and he opens up a door for you. He, he, he gives you an opportunity But then you misapply what he's really trying to do in your life. Like when God blesses you with the rays, you start saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Right. Who blesses his servant with a new car. And God's like, no, that's not that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm you know, I'm giving you more so that maybe you can give more so that you can sow into the kingdom of God. You're misapplying the blessing. When you misapply the blessing, church, the blessing loses its purpose. And the blessing loses its effectiveness. It's not a a blessing anymore. It's just something that happened. Or when God finally took you out of that situation that had been weighing on your spirit for such a long time. And and you were giving credit to the devil. And and, and God delivers you. And you're like, thank you, God, because you rescued me from my chains. and, And God is like, no, that wasn't the devil. That was me. I put you there. To teach you a lesson. I was trying to mold you into something. I was trying to refine you in the fire. But what did you learn? Nothing. Apparently you think I'm the devil. We misapply the work that God does in our lives. And I think that we do that because our reference point is only on what God has done in the past. It's hardly ever on what God is going to do. And we think that because God has done it before, he's always going to do it again. And I love that song that we just sang, and I believe it, and it is a declaration of faith. But sometimes God doesn't heal again. Maybe he did once, and he, and he gets all the glory, but it doesn't mean he's going to do it every time. Sometimes God is going to stop an enemy attack. Sometimes he isn't. God doesn't work the way that we expect him to work every single time. And so maybe you have to change your reference point, church, because maybe you've been looking at your past and you've been seeing what God has done in your past, but you're applying the works of God in the past to to his future purpose. See, that's what the that's what the Jews did. The Jews applied Jesus past works to his future purpose. And in doing so, they completely misunderstood what Jesus was really trying to do. Jesus constantly spoke about the Father's kingdom, church. Constantly. It was always about. The father's kingdom, it was never about the present kingdom. It was never about the earthly kingdom. It was always about his father's kingdom. But people, we just like seeing what we want to see sometimes, right? So when Jesus comes in, these Jews are are witnessing Jesus right in on a donkey. And they're like, man, I see a perfectly capable Jesus who can save us from Roman rule. I see a perfectly capable God who can save me from my situation. I see a perfectly capable God who can take this sickness away. I see a perfectly capable God who can cure all the cancer that's in the world. I see the perfectly capable God who can take away all the natural disasters and and rid the world of all the evil people. I see a perfectly capable God who can do all these things. I know that I've said that before. But the truth is, when we expect that, We're going to be disappointed because it was never about your kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. It's about my father's kingdom. We've become way too focused on our kingdom, man. We've become way too focused on ourselves. Or we don't, we didn't even think about God's kingdom anymore. I was having a conversation with some people yesterday about giving the power of giving. Let me just make a little side note here. uh, Because man, you know, this generation... The millennial generation, we don't give like, like our parents did, like our grandparents did. We don't, re- we don't really know how to give well. We don't really know how to give offering. We don't really know how to tithe. And it's going to step on some toes this morning. Hey, I, I, and I, I've been there. We just don't. We just don't know how to give. Why? Because our struggles, when it hurts us to give, we, we don't give. If, if it hurts us, we're like, I better not let it hurt me, right? But that translates to us putting our struggles before God's kingdom. God, I can't give to, I can't give to your kingdom because I really need this money right now. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't give to you because I, you know, I need to buy groceries. I got to buy food. I got to pay some bills. I, I, can't, I, can't give you, I can't give you 10%. That's way too much. God, can we negotiate that a little bit? You know? I can't give you that because then I'm really going to be hurting. And so what happens is, is the church suffers and the church can't pay its bills and the church has to close its doors down because your struggles were more important than the church's, than the kingdom of God. Your struggles were more important than the kingdom's struggles. And we put our struggles first because our kingdom is number one. That was a side note. That was a different message coming to you soon. We don't even think about God's kingdom. We don't even think about what God has promised of the future kingdom because we're so consumed with our present one, man. And, I, and I, let me tell you, church, I'm preaching to myself because I've been in these situations where I look around and I'm like, God, you know, wh- why don't you just cure all the cancer? I mean, there, there's, there's innocent children who've done nothing wrong and they, and they suffer for so many reasons. But it's never been about God curing cancer. It's never been about ceasing all the natural disasters and all, you know, ridding all the the evil people from this world. It's always been about the condition of the soul because it's a soul that will enter or not enter the father's eternal kingdom. That's what it's about. It's never been about saving you from your current situation, even though God will do that sometimes. It's never been about God fixing everything. That's, I mean, that's how we see God. God fix this. God fix this. God clean this. God, I, I got myself in this mess, but God, I'm going to give it to you. Jesus, take the wheel, right? And God will do it sometimes. But then when he doesn't do it, we get disappointed because we expected a different version of a king. And when we begin thinking like this, church, we begin thinking like these Jews who bowed down to Jesus as he made his way into the city. They were throwing palms at him. They were throwing their, their robes as a sign of, of, of submissiveness. Uh, they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna. They glorified him. They worshiped him because they thought they were getting a certain type of King who was there to serve them. It's the same selfish reason. If we, if we go back some couple thousand years before where the Israelites, they demand a King of their own, right? And they get Saul, and what do they say? What do they say to the prophet Samuel? Give us a king to fight our battles. Give us a king to go to war on our behalf. Give us a king to represent me. It's a, it's a selfish human condition, I think, that we, that we have where we try to choose, you know, the best leader to fit our needs. That's, that's why we vote, you know? That's why we vote. That's... It's about the people. That's why the church, you know, you guys had to elect me as the next pastor because it's about the church as a whole. And I get that. I totally understand. But that's not how Jesus works. Jesus isn't king by election. Jesus isn't king by dynasty. He's not king because he, he was next in line. He's a king because he is the word that was there at the, at the beginning. He was there before the foundations of the world. He is a self-sufficient God. That is his right to the throne. That's why he's the king. Not because it's about us, not because of what he can do for us, but because he is. I am because I am. That's what he says. It's not I am because I'm here to serve you, it's not I am because I can do all these things for you. It's I am because I am. I don't need to fill in the blank. It's about our Father's kingdom. But because we're so used to our way of doing things, church, we begin to grumble when our king doesn't meet our needs. And our eventually our praise for this amazing, all-sufficient, all-powerful king, it turns into grumble because Jesus isn't fitting our mold of king. Can I just tell you something this morning, church, that we need to realign our vision with a kingdom vision? Amen. I'm gonna say that man, we gotta realign our vision. If your if your vision isn't aligned with the kingdoms, you gotta realign it, man. And I'll be honest with you, church. You know, again, God God spoke this message to me, and it hurt me, and I felt the conviction. It went through the roof. I'll put myself in the same category as those that I'm preaching to because look, I I look at the world. I go out and I've got plenty of notes on how to make it better, right? Because I I wish I could take I wish I could take my daughter Layla out to the park and. You know, not have to worry about some creepy dude lurking behind the trees. I wish that I didn't have to lock my doors at night. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I leave the garage door open. You know, I wish that, I wish I didn't have to do that. I wish that I could turn on the news and hear good things rather than tragic things. I wish all these things. And And naturally, when a system is broken, when something is messed up, people point the finger at the ones that are leading it. And so... So, so we go to God and we begin to grumble because we know that God is the creator of all this. And we say, God, you can fix it, but you don't. And we say, God, your word says that there is nothing impossible for you and yet I find myself in impossible situations every day. And word, your word says that you are the righteous king, but yet this is so unrighteous everywhere I look. And we begin to Sound like the mockers who told Jesus, if you're really the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you, if you can really do these things, just do it. If you're really who you say you are, call yourself some angels to rescue you from heaven. And we lose our praise when the vision isn't properly aligned. <laughs> this is a tough word, isn't it? I'm not getting a lot of amens this morning. Yeah. Makes you think about the Israelites. You, know, you remember the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, the first, first thing they began to do was, was grumble, right? Moses, it's too hot out here, man. There's no trees. You know, you just took us to the desert. Moses, where's all the food, man? We're hungry. Moses, you, you should have just left us, bro. I mean, I know you meant well, but like, you should have just left us because at least we were getting fed, right, when we were in captivity, their vision wasn't properly aligned. Their vision was based on their condition. Listen, church, when, you're, when your vision is uh, based on your condition, you'll only ever see what's right in front of you. And God is going to be trying to do something over there in your life. But you're stuck because you can't get past what your current situation is here. When all God wanted to do was take them to the promised land. When all God wanted to do was reign over them and lead them and set them up as an example to every nation. But they, the Israelites, just like these Jews who cruc- uh, crucified Jesus, just like us today, were not fixing their eyes on God's kingdom. There's a verse in Psalms, Psalm 118, that says, uh, The Lord is on my side. Do you love that verse? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who. Hate me that's a beautiful verse encouraging how many of you guys want god on your side yeah right i want god on my side. i expected you to say yeah because of course we want god on on our side but i think sometimes as christians we take that verse a little too literally we say god i want you on my side it's kind of like when you invite someone over to your house hey come to my house man i'm you know i'll prepare a meal for you i'll treat you right i'll treat you with respect and you can come in, and we can have a good time together, and I'll, let you, I'll share some of my things with you, and I'll make you, I'll, I'll make you feel right at home. But at the end of the day, it's still my house, and these are my things. And some of us have some rules for our homes. Take off your shoes. Ever been in one of those houses? You're like, okay, <laughs> I'll take off my shoes. I wish you would have told me before I would have wore better socks. You know? <laughs> No eating in the living room. Don't drink in the living room. Hey, keep everything right here in the kitchen, please. Right? Hey, and if it's past 10 o'clock, you hear the cliche like, hey, you don't have to get out of here. You don't have to go home, but you have to get out of here, right? Like, we we have rules for our house because it's it's my house. And so we want God to be a part of our side, our team, our kingdom. And we say, God, welcome to my kingdom. Hey, everything in here, um, you know, um, Bless it. You know, come on, come on. Let me show you the way to the mess so that you can clean up my mess. Come on. Come on. God. Hey, look, I, I, I did this the other day and I, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me for it? You know, clean, clean it up. Clean it up. And, and you know, we, we 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 invite God. We mean well and, and, and we recognize him as as the one who can do what no one else can. But hey, do it in my house. Do it on my timeline. Do it by my rules. Touch the things that need Uh, fixing, but the things that are working, just leave leave them alone because it's my side. It's my kingdom. And so the gospel of John, when Pilate says, he asks Jesus this, I'm almost done. Is John 1835? I don't have it up here, but he says, he says, your own nation. I want you to listen to this. This is so good. He says, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? What have you done to their kingdom? What have you messed up so badly in their system? to their home, to their side. What have you done to make them want to kill you? And Jesus says something so simple, so profound. And I just get the feeling that Jesus was so tired of saying it because he's been saying it for three years during his ministry and no one got the clue. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Wasn't even on their side. I came to do the will of the father. So that they can be reunited with my Father's kingdom. Because my Father's kingdom is eternal. My Father's kingdom is perfect. In my Father's kingdom, there is no pain. In my Father's kingdom, no one sheds a tear. And I just want to get them out of their own side so they can come to my Father's kingdom. And it hurts me so much that they don't understand that. But one day, they will. It's never been about your kingdom, church. And again, man, when God was preaching this to me, my my conviction levels went like through the roof because I know that I focused many times on my own kingdom. But I also know that the moment I just take my eyes off of myself and my current situation and my struggles and my pain and I look to the future and I realign my vision with God's vision for my life, I know that every day there's going to be praise. There's never going to be grumble because in my Father's kingdom, it is perfection. There is no room for sadness. There are no room for tears. But we grumble when we lose sight of our Father's kingdom. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at PrimeraIglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.